Hello everyone and welcome back to the Game Alone's podcast and today I am very happy because it's been a long time coming to welcome Liam Gorman who is better known really as the property engineer on Instagram to the Game Alone's podcast. Welcome Leon, good to have you on the show. Thank you so much Sam, I know we're having some technical difficulties but we're here, we're trying it, let's see how this one goes. Absolutely. Look, guys, if the uh, if the sound isn't quite as good as we are used to, please do stick around anyway, because I know that Leon's going to be dropping some amazing nuggets on um, not only how he got into property, but also um, some of the things he's been doing recently, which is one of the reasons I wanted to get you on was really to talk about um, kind of how you've managed your business recently. We won't we'll leave it as a bit of a cliffhanger. I'll, I'll leave you, Leon, to give uh, a one two minute intro to yourself, who you are, what you do, and then we'll get into it. Great. Sam, I love the teaser. So what Sam is alluding to there is I run a rent to SA property sourcing business. And I've recently come back from a four month traveling trip whilst working as a bit of a digital nomad at the same time. My background, I'm from South Wales. I did an aerospace engineering degree. Didn't follow the typical route after that, but jumped straight into property. Um, I've just finished my first flip project as well. DIY pretty much the whole thing. So I learned a lot being on the hands-on side of it. And I'm a bit of a prolific networker. I try my best to be at as many networking events as possible, as well as growing my social media page, jumping on podcasts and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, good. But nice and succinct. Um, I've had a few people come on me in the past that have gone on like half an hour rants, um, which is which is fine also. But, um, but yeah, look, um, I think you and I, we well we we met online and then we we started to as you've said go to a few of the same networking gigs shall we say and um you are very prolific and um i think I've, i remember you saying to me once that that realistically as as someone from south wales there isn't a ton going on there where there seemed you you basically you felt the need to be to have to travel a little bit more to to meet with people i know i've actually been at events where you've spoken about networking as well so it is it is something that you're particularly good at I think maybe to kick off, I do want to talk a lot about how you managed to run your business from abroad and, and, and really go into some detail on that. But um, to sort of, I suppose, kick things off, there are going to be a lot of people listening to this that are very, very new to the property game. Um, I've seen you pretty much from start to, to where you are now. And a lot of, I think your success has come down to you physically being in a lot of different places. I guess just to kick things off, for, those, for someone that is com- completely starting out, are there any things that you would have done differently in terms of how you started networking to, um, to to how it actually worked? Or do you think that actually the way that you did it is the way that others potentially could follow? Great question. Sam, I would preface it with, I would like to say I got a little bit lucky. Now, why I say I got lucky is because when I started entering into this property space and business networking, it started to be COVID, right? So in the heat of COVID, networking just became online everywhere. So you could be in every room five times a day you know you could be at three networking events without leaving your room and and it was easy so i was able to gain access to a lot of places at just the click of a button and not only that the networking events still happen on zoom you know you may join some i don't really like attending them unless a 5am club i'll always promote that one um but that's the one that actually got me into it so as much as i got lucky with that I did then follow up with the action that then I'm, I'm going to give you the tips on kind of my tips around networking and getting started is choose two, maybe three, if you really want to go for it, that you just go to consistently. It's great to try out loads. And I've been to 20, 30 plus different networking events, and most of them are terrible. Um, you will experience that. So don't get disheartened if you think that one's rubbish. They're not all the same. It's all about the kind of people in the room as well as how much time they spend pitching and selling you their services. In my opinion, I want more time just talking and and getting to know people. That's why I went to the networking events. So my tips would be keep working on it until you find one that you like and then go consistently because you want to be a known person in that place. You want to be the person who does property sourcing or the person who is a broker that then they become your friends and then everything just it just works out better because you become that point of reference so also then the biggest one that people worry about is the the nerves right the confidence side of it i'm a introvert i don't like going up to talking to people not many people do i don't think in networking events but the way I got around that is twofold. One, social media and posting loads and loads of videos on there just to build up your social presence and your confidence. 
not only do you build it just by producing, but you build it because people get to know you. So you, you kind of close that icebreaker gap. Um, but that, that will help you a lot. And number two would be just practice. And I know everyone says it, but just go and shake people's hands, go and introduce yourself. It gets easier over time. But I'll tell you what, Sam, the recent event I seen you last week at, I haven't done a networking event for four months because I've been away. I did feel those nerves again going up to people <laughs> and introduce myself. And it was really strange. It's like I haven't felt nervous to do this in such a long time. Do you know what? Um, this is going to sound like such a weird thing to say off the back of that is that um, I, so I was exactly the same and I still am exactly the same. And I think that I sometimes in my brain i actually stray away from the events that i know that i'm probably gonna have to do that now because mm. um i go to, i go to events where i feel like people will know who i am already and that sounds like such an egotistical thing to say and it's not i, I honestly but I, you know i'm being honest it is and it's just the fact that it kind of takes away that need for me to, to, to need to be that that guy that goes up to people like hey what are you doing here because you know what it is it's not necessarily the actual going up to somebody. What I don't want to do is I don't want to go up to the wrong person and then mm. be stuck. Um, I went to, so I've started going to business networking events, um, not necessarily to actually, not obviously yes, to promote my business, but also to, to actually learn from business mm -hmm. people. You know, I've only been two and a half years running my business. I, I'm, I think I'm good at what I do, but in terms of actually running a business, building a team, all that kind of stuff, that's relatively new to me. So I go to some of these events now and I got, I went to a business, business networking lunch before Christmas and I sat down next to this guy, started talking and I realized really quickly that I wasn't going to get any from get, get anything from him. Um, and he was quite boring, not mm. being horrible, but he was just quite boring. And, and I suddenly thought, how do I get away from him? And that's really horrible. And like, I've, I fully understand that, that that sounds dreadful, doesn't it, to say it? But we are there for a reason, as you say. We're there to network. We're there to meet people. And there might be 50 people in the room. And if you get stuck with one or two for the entire time, that's 48 people that you've missed out on having a conversation with. There is an, I think there's an art as well to actually being able to like cut a conversation short when you know it's not going anywhere, which sounds awful. But it's, no, it's, it's, like, it's, it's almost like speed dating, isn't it? <laughs> 100% it's exactly what you need to do and it's definitely not easy to implement but not only is the opportunity cost lost of meeting the other people but you've spent money and time committed to this event and if it's far away you know you've probably spent 100 maybe like 150 pound in total expenses to go and if you've only spoken to people below you which is never a bad thing I always get something from speaking to someone but if you spend 45 minutes speaking to that one person and you end up just coaching them for the whole time or just being very uninterested you have wasted your time and that that's that's the the nature of the beast and sam we say this now and we could have been having conversations with other people and they could be thinking that about us you know and i, I hope not <laughs> but it is what it is isn't it yeah totally true and there are i think i've seen it before you can you can see it in people's eyes can't you when you're when you're chatting to them and that you can tell if they're, if they're like look, constantly like looking away and then i think to myself shit do i do that like do Going to a networking event is a little bit like being a kid at a sweet shop because there are so many people to, to, to talk to that sometimes you you are sitting there having, sometimes you even are having a half-decent conversation, but you're always looking around the room going, who else is there for me to talk to? This is this mm. is great. Especially when when you find your flow. I, yeah. I'm, I, I know that you're, you're going to be exactly the same as me. Sometimes when you get there, yes, it's awkward. But once you're in your flow, you're just you're just buzzing, you're feeling good. Um I know I get I can get very excitable quite easily when I'm talking about my chosen subject, you know, and when people are, are interested as well in what I want to say, it's a massive buzz. And then suddenly you want to share that with as many people as possible. And that, that's when the kind of uh, the sh almost like, it's like I can end with the shiny penny syndrome. You're looking around the room like, well, who else can I get excited about finance? <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous, really. No, I love that. I love that. I, I I thoroughly do enjoy networking events because of that buzz. You know, I, it is because of that moment and coming away with some sort of value just makes it all worth it. And it, sometimes it's such a small amount of value, but it's just a connection. It's just one thing that you've learned and you're like, that that was worth it because you can't get that information from sitting in your desk online, just like working on yourself. You have to go out and interact with other people. 
Exactly. And, you know, they, they, there's that phrase in there that you are the um, the average of the five people you spend most time with. Well, for me, um, I, I, I actually don't necessarily 100% agree with that because I think that um, there are places in your life for people that have certain different uh, roles. Like at the weekend, Saturday evening, I went out for a few drinks with my, my old mates like, that I've known for 20 years. And, mm. you know, it was nice because they're not asking me about my business. They're not asking me about mortgages. They're not asking me about the stuff that I'm talking about every single day. So that they play a role in that is really important for me to be able to switch off from that. So I don't necessarily agree with that, with that kind of that statement, but the, the premise of that statement, I guess, is get into the right rooms, get around the right people, have the right conversations. And like you say, it does give you a buzz. You learn something, you can impart some knowledge as well. And then it's kind of a win-win situation, right? Yeah, yeah, I do agree. But can I challenge you a little bit on that? Go on, yeah, absolutely, 100%. So if you didn't go and spend that Saturday night with your friends talking about non-business stuff, and you spent that Saturday night talking business stuff, would you not believe that your business would be further along than it is now? Maybe the business would be, but at some point, I believe that I personally would would just stop functioning as a, as a normal human being. And I think, that we need to, I think we need to remember that life life has to have a balance um i've i've learned this do you know in the two and a half years since i started grand union finance i think i've genuinely had a burnout three times um where i mean even the friday just gone i wouldn't class this as a burnout but it got to three o'clock in the afternoon i had an award ceremony that i was going to in the evening that i had a half an hour drive to get to um and i was i had to call my operations manager and i literally texted i was just like i can't call you and she was like, why? I said, I've got zero energy. I'm literally down to zero. I've got no, I mean, I'd had a long week. Yeah. Um, a lot, you know, and I, and, I, and I think I even went on my stories and said, you know, guys, I'm talking on my stories at all hours of the day. Please don't see this as a long-term mm. sustainable way to run a business. Um, I've, I've, I have learned that balance is such an important thing and all this hustle and grind and yeah i know that you're part of the 5am club and i know but the thing is i know that's like that's a once a week thing you get up for that it's all it's all good you've got to have a balance otherwise you will burn out and and the thing is is if you burn out or if you're it's, it's a bit like um the way i liken it is to like an athlete okay so you've got let's let's use like a, a, like one of the you know one of the best athletes in the world like Usain Bolt let's say like you know 100 meter uh, world record holder we know that when that man is tip top there's no one that's in the same league as him mm -hmm. but he needs to be tip top because if he's not tip top he's not going to perform so you can have all the attributes to be able to perform but you also have to in that moment perform so yep. you have to be able to have the balance of giving yourself rest and I've I've actually recently spent a lot of time thinking about rest and forgiving myself for rest and mm. if i wake up in the morning and i'm tired looking at my diary and saying how could i reorganize my day so i can have another hour's worth of sleep because actually if i get up now and then particularly i find if i get up and then i eat something when i'm sluggish anyway sometimes that can ha have a further negative effect and then what that means is that's a that's just a knock-on effect throughout the mm -hmm. entire day and what will end up happening is i'll just hit a wall at like four or five o'clock in the afternoon instead and then I, I i actually quite like working late um so what i tend to do i've got into quite a nice routine now where i'll finish in my office about six half six my gym is literally next door which is really helpful nice. i literally just go around there have a session get home eat something and then what i do in the evening is i open up my laptop and i and i just get rid of all the shit that i didn't have time to do during the day and set myself up for the next day and that, that might mean that i'm working working in a very commas till 10 o'clock at night but that it i prefer it that way around and i think that um as i said if, if i sometimes didn't give myself the time to recuperate at the times when my body was telling me i think it's really important to listen to your body mm. when my body is saying to me I'm, I'm tired or I'm stressed, that's the time to, to take it. So even if that is at half two in the afternoon and your body is just screaming out to you, I'm freaking knackered, go and lie down for half an hour. Like the world yeah. is not going to end. The world is not going to end. And Grant Cardone is not going to come through your door and tell you <laughs> that you have an extra day. Um, you know, it's not going to happen. So I, I'm, I'm saying this like it's easy. I know that it's not. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm interested to get your take on it because I know that you yeah. are a hard worker. Yeah, I got a lot, a lot to say about it, Sam, because I'm still processing and learning. I, 
I like the hustle culture because I like working like uh, similar to you, you know, I get that feeling where I can, I never used to, but now I get that feeling where I can work through meals and not even know I'm hungry because four hours after I should have eaten, I'm like, Oh my God, like I haven't even eaten, which is bizarre to me because I've always been very disciplined until this business came along. And it's not like I've got a hundred employees and loads of people shouting at me, demanding my time. It's because I'm just in the moment and really much enjoying what I'm doing. But lately I've been doing what you said a bit more and listening to my body in the way that I'll stay in Starbucks. As everyone knows, I stay in Starbucks a lot to work. I'll stay there till nine, 10 o'clock. And then when I go back, obviously I'm going to bed later. I'll just wake up later. You know, I'll have a lie in if I need to and just start the day later. Because like you said, if I start the day absolutely knackered, unless I really need to be places, you're only going to damage your own business by operating at a state of tiredness. And it's just going to move on and on and on to the following days. However, there's a caveat to this and there's that's routine and routine is really important, which I'm trying to build back in. Now, my routine, I like waking up at half five, Sam. I genuinely do. The 5am club got me into it and it, it was amazing. I got into it through um, having a nine five. So I had to be in work by nine and I needed to go to the gym before then because I hated going to the gym after work because it is slammed. As everyone knows, if you go to the gym between five and six, it's super busy. I was in <laughs> Bristol. It's crazy. Um, so I was like, if I want to go, I need to go early. And that just naturally meant, okay, I need to get up a half five. And it's a very special feeling to get to work knowing that you've been to the gym, read a book, you know, eating well and all that kind of stuff before people like people are like groggy coming into work. So that feels good, too. But I don't believe that you can do both. I don't think that you can. Well, personally, me, the Internet tells you it's possible is to do the 5 a.m. wake ups, but also do the 1 a.m. grinds. I just I don't think that's very sustainable for me. Some people have got it in them. But from all the research I've done through podcasts and stuff, sleep is mega important. And the people who are saying they're operating on four or five hours sleep, they're, they're losing out something. They may be doing more work, in inverted commas, but their productivity and the creativeness is definitely lacking. And that, that those two things, if you want to be successful in business, I think is important. You need the productivity. You need the creativeness. I couldn't, literally, I couldn't agree with you more because actually I believe, um, and we are going on one of those tangents that I told you we'd probably yeah. go on, <laughs> is that I also have spent a lot of time, as I said to you, I've been I've been, been uh, running Grand Genie, started Grand Genie uh, two and a half years ago. It's not, in the grand scheme of things, a very long time to be a business owner. We're doing really well. We've got five members of staff now, including myself. So things are going really, really well. I am now having to think in a different way. To go right okay when you are a solo solopreneur or you're a you know you're self-employed or whatever it might be then yeah okay the the hustle and grind you kind of almost have to do it you you've got to know that it isn't sustainable but you have to mm -hmm. do it i did it you know one of the one of the reasons why i think me and my business partner actually spoke was a minor reason um there were lots of big big reasons but one of the ones was that he kept really odd hours and i was in our london office that we were using at the time at seven o'clock and i was leaving at nine and that yep. was like every every single day, apart from a Friday when I might allow myself to, to finish a bit earlier to go and have a pint or something. But um, but that was me every single day. And the fact that he wasn't keeping those hours as well was a contentious issue for us. Mm -hmm. So 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 I get it. But that was at the beginning. What I I believe, and you 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 hit on that because you you used the terminology like the, like creativity and all that kind of stuff. As I have brought more people into the business, which has taken away my need to do certain operational jobs, what I've noticed is the importance of me having a solid creative mind as often as I possibly can. I believe that the person at the top of the tree has to be the lead creative in mm -hmm. terms of strategy, um, ideas about changing things, improving things. Um, and I've given myself recently more of a, a license to be that person um i've given a lot of my staff much more responsibility so far this year than they've ever had and they're thriving on it which is so so exciting to see but it's also giving me that time i think I, the amount of times i've listened to podcasts recently and the advice from different business owners has been give yourself time during the week on your own maybe out of your normal normal area just to think and just just you know allow your brain to 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 do what it does and 
my my place i've realized is i'm really lucky i live right next to the grand union canal hence why the name grand union finance i literally just looked out my window one day i was like that's that's a good name i'll use that um and i just get to just stick my walking boots on and just just walk down the canal for half an hour and i think people should work that that into their schedule um and actually have it as as important time it doesn't need to be every week it could just be once a month where you give yourself like half a day to just go and think i mean i was listening to one podcast recently where someone was saying take yourself off for a night just go go and stay in a random city or mm. wherever in a premier inn or whatever it might be or maybe somewhere that's got like a pool or a spa or something and just give yourself that time on your own to completely just be at one with your own thoughts and you'll probably come up with so many ideas and strategies that you can then use your staff to to help you implement and i think that's where i see the next couple of years going with grand union is that it's going to be me coming up with ideas and mm -hmm. help my staff then helping me implement those ideas and that's how i think a, a really solid team team should work no I, I like that sam i like that i i think i'm a little bit further behind than you because we don't quite have as many staff and like i want to get there so we've got three staff with us at the moment and they're to be honest they're all my business partners staff if that makes sense so like they're all working under her on the deal side of it whereas i'm the investor and a load of other um, parts of the business so at the moment i don't really have any staff under my control apart from those guys um yeah. Which, it, you know, it works well for me because right now she needs them. That's that's where the income comes from and I can handle the rest. But the creativity is, is very much needed uh, to solve even their problems too because I get involved um, to make sure that it's all working out. And, and it's almost nice that I'm detached from it because Libby's doing the day-to-day um the the in she's fully in there and i'm hearing it now again again hearing her problems and kind of solving it from an outside perspective which is a tip in itself solving your own problems from a third person's perspective is always easier than putting yourself in your own shoes yeah yeah i totally agree and and that kind of brings it on nicely to to kind of what has been happening over the last uh, few months with you guys because obviously you've been you haven't been in the uk which has been I mean, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna carve it. I've absolutely loved watching it. Like I've loved like because obviously you've been you've been documenting it. You've been using social media to document the fact that you have been overseas. You've been traveling around. You haven't been in you know one place for a particularly long period of time. And you have, I guess, was it? My my first question to you is was was it a trial? Um, you can talk this. We talk about you know, what you actually did in a sec. But in terms, was it was it a trial for you guys to go? Could we do this? It was definitely a trial. It was definitely not proven to us. We mentioned to our mentors that we had planned to do it and they were kind of like, oh, that's that's going to be hard, especially because we told them like two months before we were about to do it. Um, and they were like, OK, that you've got a challenge on yourself. So it's always been important for me to have that kind of location freedom. And I didn't realize how important until after the trip because it like it was always important to me because I thought it's nice to have the time freedom, location freedom, financial freedom kind of stuff. But until you actually secured one of them, then you realize, oh, wow, that, that's really, really impactful. So, yeah, it was definitely a trial. What went well? What didn't go well? It went way better than anticipated. Um, in that's terms really of awesome to hear, mate. That's so, <laughs> that, 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 for me, is, is good news because I'm like, I, when, I was, when I was watching, I was like, I want to be there. <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, um, it, was, it was scary. You know, at, at the time... At the time, we only had one one member of staff, so we actually hired. She's left us. So we actually hired three members of staff whilst we were away. Um, towards, wow. yeah, towards the end of it, it was. I can get onto that um, shortly. But our liabilities were quite low. Um, but nevertheless, we still had outgoings at home that we needed to cover, and also we wanted to make money to cover the cost of the holiday that we were currently on or the traveling trip. Um, but our expectations or goals were set very low albeit the the term that we'd use or what our goal was is to maintain and nurture the relationships that we already had that was it that we just didn't want to lose the agent relationships we didn't want to lose the landlord we didn't want to lose touch with the industry and like have to come back and start again um but we like in terms of figures we tripled what we were expecting to do um which is just fantastic so that went well um what didn't go well honestly there, a lot of the negatives are actually positives right so one of the things that people often would worry about is time zones so we were around about eight hours in front 
which was actually amazing because we had the first half of the day with no one online. It was like waking up at 2 a.m. in the UK and you've got the whole day at the beach doing whatever you want without people getting in, um, getting involved and distracting you. Now, we could use that time to go and do work, which we did a few times, which is great because we have undistracted work time, which you know we all seek as well. Um, but then when people started coming online around 2, 3 p.m., that's when we could say, okay, let's go to a coffee shop. Let's get on the reactive kind of responses and do all the operational. Now, obviously, the negative, Sam, is that when it gets to 6 p.m. in the UK, it's pretty late over there. So occasionally when we dealt with serious things that needed to be sorted on a time sensitivity basis, I was up till 1, 2 a.m. trying to sort it out because for you guys, it's 6 p.m. They'll be like, why are you just leaving? It needs to be done today. You know, I can't just go to sleep at 6 p.m. Um, <laughs> as a business owner, and like, there's not really anyone else to put that on. So, yeah, a few times, you know, I was up late. I remember one time in Singapore, we were having a bit of a nightmare with an investor. Um, and it got worse and worse throughout the night, and it got very escalated. Libby was asleep next to me in the um, in the bed, and I was on the bed, just kind of like on my laptop, uh, on the phone and stuff. And it, it, you know, that's a negative, but also, like I mentioned, I like the hustle culture. It kind of felt exciting that I was doing these kind of things and and making money and and doing it that way. Um, but yeah, it worked well, mate. I, we tried to keep it low key on how much we were traveling we wanted it to at the beginning anyway we wanted it to look like we were just going one place and working from abroad because we didn't want to lose confidence from our clients um, both agents and investors but what we were actually doing was moving around every three days so every three days we'd move to a different town city country kind of thing so we were moving a lot and that was one of the hard things because i couldn't plan very far ahead in terms of booking calls I didn't know where I was going to be. I didn't know if I was going to have a hotel. I didn't know if I was going to be Wi-Fi in the area. I didn't know if there was going to be any coffee shops or anything. So it was very hard. I didn't know if I was going to be on a bus, a plane. Like those kind of things were very hard. But again, it was easily mitigated by reducing the amount of calls that I actually needed to take and just just did it via WhatsApp, um, which taught us a lot about how to run the business when we're home too, because we really kind of lean the business to make sure that we're not wasting time on operational things. One thing, I'll tell you a failure that happened, Sam. Um, two months before we went, we started talking to our mentors and said, look, we want to do this. We started training our VA on nearly all of our admin tasks. We built up 25 folders with how-to guides, videos, everything like that, how to do everything. Because ideally, I didn't want to work. That's what I thought. I thought just in case they can do the work. Then <laughs> two weeks into our holiday we're speaking to our VA and she's just being a bit strange and she just doesn't really understand what she's doing and then she tells us that she's just got another full-time job um, and she can no longer do the hours that we need to so I'm just like we put so much time into training her to do all these things that when she said that we had to readjust then her roles to make sure they fitted to, to kind of uh, uh, different things. And then we had to pick up that as well. So that was a, a failure and a lesson. The lesson being be very clear with your members of staff, exactly your expectations and what you want. And I, I feel like I did, Sam, but because it's a VA, there's a there's a language barrier. Um, it just didn't didn't work out in that case. But I suppose, like you said, in every um, in every failure, there's a learning there's a learning point and if you if you can take something from it then it makes you better and it makes you better and more prepared for the next time that you might be in a similar situation and I'm guessing you know from that you've kind of thought okay well maybe we've got to change the way that we we run things maybe we've got to look at multiple VAs like you like you do so that we're not just putting all our eggs in one basket maybe we tweak the training and we do something slightly different maybe the communication needs to be different you know there's there's so many when something does go wrong there's so many mm -hmm. things you know i i had a similar situation um in terms of a member of staff i um i've had i've we've actually i've employed one two three four five six people and two of those people lasted less than two months um because i well i didn't really learn the lesson from the, from the first time to the second time but they were both brokers that just didn't have the required level of expertise that that was needed to be to be working um, at grand union and since those two things have happened you know i've really taken a lot of extra time into right okay how 
how do we go about bringing in the right people? What do we need to do? What needs to be in place? And 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 thinking about how we train people. Um, I was actually quite fortunate. I got a chance to speak to Tyron Ash, um, not at the event that we were just at, but the last time he spoke at the Peak Performance event um, about recruitment. And he told me something that, that stuck with me straight away was that he, he basically creates a, a training platform that everyone has to go through first that basically just repeats all the stuff that, that they go through that everyone would have to go through face to face um and it just rem it removes so much of the training from you know from the person the amount of time and effort that it took to get those two people to, to come on board and and you know i'm quite proud of myself with the fact that i did turn around to them and say look this isn't working mm. um quite quickly because i could see that it was just going to get worse and worse and worse and i couldn't i for that you know for them as well they I didn't yeah. want them being being stressed that they that they clearly were you know out of their depth and I did think to myself, you know, maybe we need a a more stringent kind of processing, um, uh, you know, in terms of actually the process of finding the right people, recruitment process, and then the training process that also needs to be needs to be better as well. So it's it's things that you know we haven't recruited another broker since because Chanel, who worked with us at the moment, came on just before the second one that we got rid of. Um, and to be honest, that the process of bringing her on board was tough. It was long, and and we learned from that. So I think that. Whenever things don't go right, it's a great opportunity to learn all those things that you don't want to happen again. And then you have to think again, going back to being creative, you have to think about you know, what 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 can you do to ensure that those things don't happen again, um, and not just don't happen again. Not thinking of it from a negative perspective, but actually thinking of it from a positive perspective. What things can we put in place to make this process easier, to make this process better? Because the way that I kind of see it is in in certain practices, if you can create a great process of bringing people into your company, that will we'll always make sure they know exactly what they're doing. Um, it's kind of like a McDonald's model, you know, mm -hmm. people always, people always say to me, isn't it, isn't it, you know, oh, that person works at McDonald's, that stuff, you know, they're, they're so low, they're such low level, they just get kids straight out of uni or kids straight out of school. I'm like, what an amazing business model that is, that mm. the processes are so slick that you can get someone with zero skills to do a perfect job every single time. And that, that for me is, is, is where, any any company that wants to recruit should be looking at that kind of process and go right how how do we make it slick how do we how could we create something where anyone with no level of expertise could actually come in and do a good enough job that's that for me is like yeah you know, holy, cool. holy grail from a recruitment perspective i mean it's it's dangerous uh in two ways in the way that you could put like you said you put so much time into training these people and especially at the beginning for anyone starting up so much you're putting into one person when you're training four or five people it's different because you've already got five staff and people can cover but when you've got you're putting all your eggs in one basket because you have to you can't go and hire three people at the same time probably because you don't have the time or experience or money to pay them if you wanted them um and then if they if they leave if they're not suitable it it hurts um we're training a salesperson at the moment and for sourcing there's an insanely high turnover rate for staff across the industry because anyone good just does it for themselves and then like anyone who just can't hack it just leaves and moves on to something else so we've set 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 it up in a way that we've reduced our downside whilst potentially increasing the upside of having them on board with a bit of a creative payment way um but all the people that we know who take on full-time sources on decent salaries because they want to get good staff they just burn money for them. And that's, that's such a big thing in business. It's um, something that we learned actually, Sam, whilst we were away, was how much staff are an investment because we were doing a lot of Excel um, spreadsheets of, especially with sales, this person's going to be paid this amount, this how much he could bring in. How long can we have him before he doesn't bring in this amount of money? What are the risks and everything involved? And you do just have to do a risk analysis and a budget, essentially, of how much money you're willing to invest in this person for it to become true. Now, I imagine that's pretty hard when it comes to uh, HR and bits like that when you grow to a bigger level because it's harder to quantify the values. Yeah, it becomes more of a, a necessity rather than a need for the business. Like it's something that, you know, you just legally, not necessarily legally, some things I suppose are legally, but, you know, we'll, we'll get to the point, from, for example, from, from our perspective, where we'll have to have an in-house compliance manager. Um, mm -hmm. And that's going to cost me 60 odd grand a year to, you know, to, to have that person in. Whereas, you know, now it, it won't cost me that much. Um, so, you know, the, yeah, you're right. It's difficult to quantify. But I also think as well, um, that I 
have found that if you do get the right members of staff and they come in and they click and they do they have the right skills they will actually themselves make the job better um you know i'm really i'm so lucky right now my team is like they touch wood that nothing changes anytime soon but they, they click so well they work and they interact so well together to the point where like um so we have um meet like zoom meetings on a monday where we get everyone together everyone's remote at grand union because uh, we, mm-hmm. we started during um covid so we had to be paperless we had to be remote all this kind of stuff it was it was a it was kind of a positive thing yeah. um a bit like what you were saying earlier about the networking and um i we always have these meetings and i just i couldn't make one of the meetings and i was stressing myself out because i knew i was like i need to be there like i need i need to be there i you know how could i not be um and so i i, I sent a voice note to, to ruby marks manager i was like look i can't be there i've got this thing that i need to sort out um and she and she did she checked she texted me back and she was like to be honest i don't think you need to be there anyway and i was like awesome and i did say to her i said do you want to record it so then I can watch it afterwards. And she says, is that, are you recording it just because you don't trust me? Or is he, are you recording it because you want to know what goes on? Because I'll just tell you what, what's, what went on afterwards. And I was like, yeah, I do trust you. I don't know why I need to just, yeah, just just set, just just call me once you're done or send me a voice note once you're done with any issues. Um, do you, Sam, do you, do you like that feeling or dislike it? Because the first time that I saw my staff working together without me involved was a beautiful feeling. I was oh, like, it's incredible. Oh my God, they're doing work without me involved and it's all just working. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's, yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's absolutely the most incredible thing, like literally like hairs on the back of your neck type level. Um, I remember we have, so what we do is, um, as well as our Monday, our Monday meetings, we have a once a week on a Friday afternoon, we just have an hour in the diary where everyone gets on, on a Zoom call together and we just hammer out like, issues that we're 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 coming up against and we and to collectively we try and find solutions and there was a moment a couple of months ago um where we're all on it um funnily enough as well actually it wasn't a couple of months ago it was last month um i was also down in gloucester because i was going to watch some rugby in the evening so i was actually literally in a, in a holiday um premier inn like bedroom as well um and just sitting there and thinking to myself, I'm in a fucking premier in and I'm able to, to do all this, which is great in itself. And then what was good was Ruby said, right, on to the next bit. Who's has, has anyone had a problem with this this part of our process? Because what we do is we we kind of like go through the process bit by bit. Like what's 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 the what's the problem with this part of the process? What's the problem with this part of the process? We do mm-hmm. it systematically. And so she asked asked the question. I didn't ask the question. She asked the question. Then Jay, who's our office manager, jumped in and she had a problem. Chanel then jumped in with a potential solution. And then suddenly I just watched a whole part of the meeting happen without me having to do anything at all. And I was sitting there. I saw myself. Like, I'm looking at myself with like smiling like a Cheshire cat. And um, and afterwards I said, I uh, I actually said, I told Ruby that like, I was like, that was genuinely one of the best moments of my life, I think. It Aww. was just so awesome. And yeah, do you know what it is? It, it's when you, I know you, you hear all the time, don't you? Oh, no one's ever going to care about your business as much as you do and all this kind of stuff. You know, don't expect so much from these people that are going to be working for you but then when you do find some really good people that do at least you know yeah of course they don't they don't you know if, if push came to shove they were going to have they would go and find another job if if if, if something went wrong at grand union they would just go and find another job whereas i have to figure out how to make it work yeah. no matter what um but just sitting there and and seeing that there is a passion there there they do see that we have a project here that we're you know we're trying to work on and they're all inter- inter- interacting together and, and move, trying to move forward based on the kind of foundation that you've set. And I think this is this is another thing is, you know, I guess um, an, an add-on to what we're talking about here is the replacement of the qualities that you have as a business owner um, with, some, with somebody else. Um, and I get, one of the things I worried about when I first started bringing brokers into the, into the frame was that people are going to be viewing my content online are going to want to deal with me personally. And I suppose similar to you, Leon, in, in, in your, in your um, company is that, you know, if you've got an investor, maybe they want to speak to you personally. If you've got a, uh, you know, a, an agent that you're working with, they might not want to work with that sourcer because they know you. Um, and I've actually found that if you can just show the wider public that you have a certain set of values, knowledge and morals, and then you're just making sure that your team effectively are carrying those same traits. It's a little bit like a, for me, it's a bit like a Richard Branson type thing. 
the him and Virgin are so intertwined that you just think that him and Virgin are the same thing. And, mm. and the, the qualities that you see in him as a person, you think, well, Virgin have those same qualities. Um, you know, they, you know, they, they're, they're quite, it's quite an exciting company. You know, they've got a bit of an edgy edginess to them. Maybe not as much as they used to, but certainly they still have that. Um, and, and so you see those, those qualities bleed through and, that's certainly, I think, what I've, I've, I've definitely this year had a real like moment where things have uh, a turning point moment where I've realised that people want to speak to me and they're actually coming to me saying, "Ah, oh, Sam, you know, I love what you do. I'd love to to speak to a member of your team." Wow, and and, and that is that's massive. Sam, I think a lot of it is in the uh, in the mind, right? It's a lot of mindset limiting beliefs in, in your own beliefs that you know people only want to talk to you because you know they're not going to trust the other guy. But like like you said, it, it really connects. It felt like I, all my neurons are firing together, connecting when you were saying that. Like you were coaching me in the way that if I instill in this guy who's going to replace me me you know if i put my values in him and he comes and he's professional he's got similar backgrounds it's all part of the brand it's basically me with a different face in a weird right with his own kind of um with his own kind of charm which is which is fantastic and i think that i will definitely be implementing things like that <laughs> sooner than yeah. i anticipated because as you said sam when you're the first person in the business and a lot of your leads come through not from cold leads but they're coming through because they know you you know they're coming through to see you and when you pass them on to you know john who's got way less experience than you or, or potentially more but it's still not you they have to build that trust again yeah. especially in my line of work because i'm selling investments you know a lot of people buy the investment based on me as a person and, and it's a trust to personal yeah they, they trust you because they think right you know i've been following leon for two years on instagram he's talking me through these processes he's talking me through the numbers he's talking me through the areas and the investments and how they all work and then suddenly if they've got someone else on on, on the phone they have to at least uh, you know ooze the kind of same you know like i said values morals knowledge yeah. that, that those kind of things uh, and get those across don't they 100 percent, mate 100 percent. It's, it's something that we're going to be doing more going forward in terms of outsourcing and hiring but i will add sourcing is quite a high profit margin anyone considering doing it it can be um but it can also be quite a low profit margin because you can spend a serious amount on ad revenue sources and bits like that trying to grow the business and there's going to be a balance for us where it's a game of and we're trying to decide on this now of outsourcing to grow further in the future all reaping the rewards of a low liability company which doesn't require much of our time that can make us a lot of money without having all of the big issues that could happen if we grew into a 10 20 30 person team which you've probably seen as well you kind of the way we see it is that we can either grow this into a nice lifestyle business and then go and attack other other things like property investment mergers and acquisitions and other things i'm interested in or we keep putting all of the profits into the business keep hiring keep hiring keep hiring but what i gen generally see is the bigger your company goes the higher risk that you're gonna collapse at some point as i've seen it i've only been in business two years and i've seen so many businesses just disappear and it's um obviously the rewards are higher so if that's your ambitions and you need to hit those figures then go for it but also there is always a balance between making sure your profit margin stays at a good level and don't just risk it all for the sake of growth. You know, top line revenue means absolutely nothing if you're not making any money. Yeah, I I, I, I actually really agree with that. But I think it comes down to, and this is where I think a lot of people fall down. I have the privilege of speaking to a lot of property people on a, you know, on a, on a daily basis because um, many of them are my clients or, or future clients. And one of the things that I see a lot of it is, is a, is they, there's not a, there's not a clear vision, um, mm. and when I say they're not a clear vision, it's a lot of people come to me and will say, yeah, I want to build a property portfolio that makes me ten grand a month. You know, I've got a if I had a pound for every time someone said that, I probably would I'd be able to retire now. But um, but what I what I then drill down into is, you know, why do you want that? What's it for? What's it what's it needed? I think too many people. You know, you you and Libby obviously have just had that opportunity to go and travel. Um, you've seen parts of the world you've never you've never seen before, experienced other cultures, all that kind of stuff. It's clearly something that engages you guys, um, and you probably want to do more of it at some point in the future. You know, it's something I'd love to do um, at some point in the future as well. And I think that it's really drilling down a lot of the time into what you're doing it for. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people are like, 
oh yeah, I want to get into property because it's a good investment. Yeah, but do you like it? Like, do you want, like, well, there's so many things in property you can do and that you can benefit from this industry in many, many different ways. You know, I'm I'm on the finance side, you're on the sourcing side. You know, we we are in the same industry doing two completely different jobs. Um, and so I think that's one thing that, you know, maybe people that are listening to this, I'd spend time thinking about this, you know, what a is- A lot of time what like what often, what is right? your what is your what is your what what do you want your life to be like you know i actually i that's taking it one step further than what i usually ask my clients you know the first question i ask my clients when i get new brand new client is what does your property business look like when it's finished that's the question, first question. question i ask and do you know one out of five will be able to answer it in any kind of reasonable detail which is why i i, I started like pre-framing um a lot of the calls that I have with clients where I send them a video where I talk to them about this beforehand. I'm like, look, before we jump on this call, I don't want to waste any time. Think about some of these things uh, beforehand. You know, what does your property business look like when it's done? What time frame are you giving yourself to get there? So therefore, off the back of that, what kind of strategies are you going to have to employ in order to mm -hmm. get yourself to that point? Um, these are the things that people need to think about, not um, oh, I want to earn ten grand a month. Yeah, happy days. But like that—that's that means absolute, no, absolutely nothing. It means nothing because number one, you don't know—you actually don't know what that ten grand a month is for. Yeah. Most people can't tell you. Um, I did—I did one of those dreamscape things fairly recently, and I worked out that the life that I kind of want to have within the next two to four years is only going to cost me about six and a half grand a month. Beautiful. So I'm like brilliant i could probably do that right now if i decided to actually take money out of my business which i'm very reluctant to do because uh, yep. i want to keep employing and keep building and keep you know mm -hmm. growing a marketing budget and all that kind of stuff which excites me um but you know i think a lot of people don't actually know that either either so mm. what, what what's the cost of their life what's the cost of their dream life what, what you know how much would that lease on that that lamborghini be how much would that mortgage be on that that house apartment that they want in the middle of the city you know all that kind of stuff and but it's, um, it's it would, would you, it. Sam, wouldn't you say it's quite hard to calculate those kind of things because like when i started learning about financial independence okay give you're shaking your head but when i started learning about it and you know a lot of the advice is build your dream life work it work out exactly how much things cost and i was like 19 20 I don't know how much a house costs. I didn't understand what a like what a mortgage was or anything. I didn't understand how much a Lamborghini it was. Or if I looked at finance options, Christ, I'm looking at finance options now and I still don't understand it. Like I'm putting a lot of research into all these things. So it's so that's what it, Google's here for. That's what yeah, literally exactly. what Google's here for. I so obviously look, I know a little bit about more about mortgages than most people do. So it wasn't very hard for me to go right, go on right move, find find the place that I wanted to be living within the next two to four years and work out roughly probably what kind of deposit I reckon I'd be able to put down and then what the cost of a mortgage right now would be for the rest of it. So now I know how much my mortgage is going to cost me. Then, um, you know, I, 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 yeah, I'd love to have some like super mega car, but the reality of it is I'll probably just want like a Tesla Model S within the next couple of years. That's kind of what, what I'm after. Uh, very, very good for tax reasons. Um, so <laughs> do you know what I did? I called Tesla and I asked them how much it cost and what the finance options were, where, how much a lease would be versus how much finance would be. I just called them and I found out. So I now know what that's going to cost me. Um, I looked at some of the places that I wanted to visit over the next couple of years. Um, and I looked at the sort of the level of hotel that I'd want to look at. And I did an average of, right, how much is it going to cost me to get there? How much is it going to cost me to live while I'm there? How much is it going to cost me to, to, to sleep somewhere that is actually going to be half decent and, you know, not have cockroaches in? Um, and then I and then I annualized that and then I divided it by 12 so that I know how much my trips are now going to cost me. It's, Sam, it's, not, it's not that hard. It's not that hard. Yeah, can on. I ask you, so I haven't done that. Um, and one of the reasons I haven't done that is because I don't necessarily want to put a cap on my goal. And I like I was having this conversation recently with our sales team. If you put a number to the goal, whatever it is, five, 10 grand, once you get to near that goal, you will take your foot off the pedal and you will start slowing down, even if you love the game. Whereas if your goal was 100 grand, I know it's all like theory and a bit strange like that, but if your goal was 100 grand, you wouldn't necessarily slow down until you were 80,000 pound. And I know that can be damaging potentially to mental health and bits like that if you're just gonna hustle hustle so but like for me personally that's where i am i want to like i love business and i love making money and that that's the main goal right now i don't i'm not looking to live a different lifestyle i like my life i don't spend much money 
Christ, we're paying ourselves a thousand pound out of the business for the tax tax reasons and i was like i can actually live like this at the moment being in south wales um nevertheless there's certain things i want to upgrade but still i was like i'm happy and i'm humble at these values but yet still i'm not like okay the business is making that i'm gonna just slow down and and you know i'd be happy for i I can see it in your eyes sam with business people typically end up just doing it for the game of it rather than hitting those figures it's you, you're totally, totally true. So the, the main thing that you hear in there is the fact that you've got to enjoy the game rather than just the end result. The reason that I do that and the reason I tell other people to do it is because it's really easy to go, I want to earn 100 grand a year. It's really easy just to say that. Uh, we've both just said it in, in the space yeah. of two minutes. Um, to figure out how to make that happen is completely different. And what you've got to do is you've got to then reverse engineer that, which a lot of people do not have the basic ability to do that they've got to learn how to do it um, and it takes a bit of time and effort and discipline to figure out how to actually do that so for me that's all great and that will happen for me what i think is even better is giving people the incentive to realize how realistic a previously unrealistic life actually is mm-hmm. so so for me to actually work out like i said i I could have gone absolutely nuts and i could have instead of just looking at um you know the the property that i looked at where i'd want to live in a few years time i looked at you know some six bedroom mansion i don't actually have the need to live in a six bedroom mansion i've got no kids you know know, what what do i need it for it's just going to be you know extra rooms to clean which probably then cost me that you know extra money for a cleaner um because because god i'm rubbish at cleaning (laughs) um i could have looked at a freaking you know, Lamborghini, Ferrari, whatever it might be. And I'd look at, I'd look at that and that's all well and good. And maybe one day I'll have enough money where I have the choice whether I have one of those cars or not. Um, and, you know, I could have looked at five-star hotels and places, you know, when I'm looking at these these holidays abroad when maybe I didn't. So for me, I was looking at a realistic lifestyle that, um, that would suit me in, the, like I said, the sort of two to four year gap. Mm-hmm. And then, then worked out how realistic that actually was. <clears throat> and as I said, pardon me, it, it suddenly became realistic. You know, six and a half grand, even when you're stopped from a standing start in any business, you know, you and I both know that actually if we pro- if we put our minds to it, we could probably, within the business we want, it would stump, it would stump the growth of the business because we wouldn't have as much money to reinvest. But we probably could get to a point relatively quickly where pulling that kind of money out on a monthly basis was, was actually pretty realistic. In yep. which case, suddenly you're going, hang on a second, so... I'm putting I'm I'm I could do that within six months and that means I could have that house I could have that car I could have that life in such a short relatively short space of time the, mm. the difficulty then is actually going well look, I don't need it in six months yeah. this is a two-year thing so let's get it to a point where actually the, the business kind of runs a large proportion of itself on its own while still generating me that kind of money that's then the key that's that yeah. and that's and that's the drive that's the game um the game is uh, there's a guy called daniel hill um who i i really enjoy listening to his podcasts uh the property Entre- entrepreneur and he talks about it's not about it's not about um winning the game it's about staying in the game and i quite like that idea it's the constant um you know just keep the money flowing keep the cash flow going keep the reinvestments happening and learn to love that monthly game of doing that and i think i'm certainly i'm certainly doing that i think you're the same and i think there's a lot of people that we know that have that same mindset that just that i want to be jeff bezos one day and be a multi-billionaire i see that as a completely pointless thought process the best thing to do is to get to a point where money is not causing you to lose sleep at night and you've got and you've built something that you just absolutely adore and that you would do even if you even if money was no was no object um, somebody actually asked me this today um not today uh, last week um if you if you had uh, a guaranteed 10 month 10 grand coming in every single month what would you do and i was like i'll be doing exactly what i'm doing yep. right now carry on like <laughs> Which is yeah. bizarre, isn't it? It, it, it is yeah. bizarre. Um, and I guess it's, you don't necessarily, like, I've grown quite fast in terms of income in the business um, from what we did. And, uh, you know, we only really entered the property industry two years ago. So when we were at our early stages, I would have had a very different answer to that question. But although I liked, like, investing and stuff, I didn't really understand the love for business. And I, I always liked business but until you've got something that 
actually works and you can see growth in it and you can you know which levers to pull which will do certain things to the business it just becomes incredibly exciting um and we we did some financial planning whilst we were away in terms of business goals and sam i, I actually I think we missed a point because when we calculated how much money we wanted the business to make so that we could pay ourselves X amount of money, we had no reason for that amount of money. We just chose it out of like, that seems like a lot. I'd be happy with that kind of thing. <laughs> um, like I said before, I'm, 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 we're already happy with the salaries that we're on. So we don't necessarily need it, but yeah, it's kind of like, okay, that, that, that looks good. And it gets very exciting when you start pushing those numbers higher <laughs> do you know do you know what though and this is and i've never spoken about this actually it's the first time i've ever spoken about this so last year um i actually got to a point where because i actually think that money and having money available to you can be quite almost like a drug level addiction mm -hmm. to have that ability to do stuff that you that you didn't you, you wouldn't normally do regularly can be a real negative thing and actually what I've done is I've looked over 2022 and I thought to myself, did I live a life that I needed to live? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I actually look back, I said to, said to, I was talking to my mum, who's actually also my PA. I went to, there's a restaurant in Birmingham called The Wilderness, which is a bloody amazing restaurant. It's like 20 seats. It's um, like Michelin star level food. It's just absolutely insane. They play heavy rock music the entire evening, which is right, right up my street. Um, but you're easily, easily, min minimum you're paying is 250, 300 pound a head. Easily, easily. Yeah. I went there four times last year and I'm like, why? Like, why? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I absolutely loved it. But I didn't need to go four times. And, you know, and that was just going there. Like I've been to other places and, and sp I, sp I spent too much money last year. Not, I, I mean, it didn't put me into any financial hardship, but yeah. when I reviewed my year and obviously being in finance, I do a lot of calculations. Um, I mm. review really frequently. And I just think, you know, there was a lot of that money that probably could have gone to, to a better home. Um, and what if Sam, let me challenge you again. Hmm. If you were if you were earning a hundred grand a year, not hundred grand a year, hundred grand a month, um, would you still feel that way? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah, I think I think what I've I've I think what I've done is, and I think everyone should do this, and and, and it sounds as though I think you and Libby have kind of done this to to an extent as well. Is is actually be really realistic about what makes you happy in your life, hmm. and I've actually realised that really simple things like having uh, recently. Um, I went for a walk with my mate Shane down the, the the canal and I'd never done it before. I walked from Solihull where I live in all the way into Birmingham, which took about two hours. I've never done it before. Nice. I got more pleasure from that than going and spending all that money in that restaurant. Yeah. And me and Shane just talked, you know, Shane's a great, um, great investor and developer as well in his own right. And, you know, we, we, we were just chatting the entire time, getting very excited about ideas and, and all this kind of stuff. And I was absolutely buzzing off the back of that. I think getting out, um, you know, getting out into the into the fresh air. Although going into Birmingham, I don't know how much how fresh the air was as we were getting, <laughs> as we were getting closer to it. But you know, we're getting the steps in, a uh, bit of exercise, endorphins uh, being released. You know, it, it's that. And then on the flip side, um, you know, I I. I I'm passionate about going to watch uh, Saracens, my rugby team, play. And yes, it's not the cheapest thing in the world to do, but it's not costing me millions by any stretch of the imagination. Mm -hmm. You know, it costs me, you know, a couple of hundred quid per time I go. And I've just realised that I just, I absolutely love it. I just, yeah. you know, there's, there's, I don't get a better buzz watching than watching my team win. And when I, when you actually scale things back and you really think about the things that that really matter in your life, I think that's when you you can actually go. Do you know what? Yeah, yeah, great. I love I love building this business, same as you. Um, but it, I want the business to flourish actually more for my staff than also almost for me. I want that I want to be able to give them an amazing life for the thank as a thanks mm. for helping me get that business to where I need it to be. And for me personally, actually. Sometimes I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a great, great fan of the, of, I don't believe that money 
that money doesn't buy you happiness. I actually think money does buy you happiness. Um, it, it buys you, it, it make, creates, gives you the, the, affords you the time to be able to do more of the things that you love, uh, which yeah. makes you, which then makes you happy. So I don't believe that money doesn't buy you happiness. But I also, on the flip side of that, do you believe that sometimes it's the simple things in life that generally make you, make you happy or make you content or give you a buzz? And will going and buying a Ferrari actually give me long term? happiness no it'll probably make me feel great for a month can i add something go on i very much agree with you but on the top of my head i'm thinking and this is what i've heard elsewhere is that yes that ferrari for yourself won't give you any real pleasure It'll give you very short term you'll probably be bored of it pretty fast but if you put your friend in that car and you go for a ride and you have that conversation in the Ferrari, I think it's going to be a bit more fun than in a Ford Focus somewhere because it, it's an experience, right? And that's then like true. that, yeah. So yeah. I mean, you could just pay for the experience of it, and that's what I'm. I've been thinking a lot. Like I like cars a lot, but I'm like, do I really need to drive a really fancy car and potentially yeah put financial strain on rather than um, you know reinvest and build and build the business? Or you can just go on a track day and get that enjoyment you're looking for. Or like you can seek the enjoyment through experiences rather than making it part of your life and then making it almost like it's it's part of your routine that you have to do it. You know, live in a six bed mansion. You have to live in that six bed mansion. Why don't you go to a six bed mansion for a two week holiday and then you, you'll get uh, you'll get the same experience without the without the pain of it, I guess. Yeah. And, but you know, what? It's, it's weird. So so with all that kind of stuff. Yeah. They, there's almost like some, a lot of it's like, I think it's outward. You know, you go, you, you're portraying a certain lifestyle. Um, and I think that there's, you know, there is that adage, isn't there? That a lot of people say, you know, just, just be rich. Don't look rich. You don't need to look rich. You look at some of the richest people on the planet and they look like tramps half the time. Um, I mean, Mark Zuckerberg has spent, I think he spent 87% of his life in, in sliders. You know, it's, uh, he, he they, these guys, they don't, that's because that isn't what gets them going. Um, mm. Some of some of the the best holidays I've ever had have been in the UK camping, just because, you know, there's I don't think there's anything better than unzipping a tent in the morning when at like half six when no one else is awake, the sun's just come up and it's just absolutely silent and you get that smell in the air and like, you know, you can't you can't buy that you you it's that's just an, like an experience and every, everything has to kind of just fall into place and just be there at the right time. So, you know, f for me, yeah. Okay. Look, the idea of going and staying in stupidly expensive hotels and doing all these fun things, you know, I've always wanted to do like hospitality at like the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix or something like that. Like mm. that'd be amazing. That'd be you. such a, that, yeah, we'll, we'll do it together. <laughs> um, I go and see my old, my old cousin Lando, the amount of people I've been able to convince them. Lando Norris is my cousin, by the way, is hilarious. Oh. Um, <laughs> and, um, and, and yeah, like, like something like that would be amazing, but it, it's, I don't see it as a as a monetarily amazing thing because I put that on a par with some of the experiences that I've just said. So, yeah, I know we've gone on on quite a tangent there talking about like experience and thought processes to you know why we run run a business. But you know, this is the beauty of this podcast for me. This is why I actually I see it as a privilege being a host of a podcast because you get to have conversations with people like yourself where they challenge you and, and ask you questions back. And I love I love that. I love the fact that you've actually asked me quite a lot of questions back and and not necessarily agreed with everything i've said which is good that's what i love <laughs> about this podcast so um but leon i am very well uh, aware that i've taken up a shed load of your time particularly because we did have a few technical problems before <laughs> yes. um so um i guess take this opportunity to say number one thank you for having such an amazing conversation with me um glad that the the technical difficulties did sort themselves out and um yeah i really hope that off the back of this a lot of people will go and follow your journey uh potentially get in touch um how do they do that if they want to reach out to you um, and maybe even work with you in some capacity sure so my main platform is instagram the property engineer underscore is where you'll find me i post a lot of content uh, to be honest especially as i'm still self-managing it so it's all me uh, it's all me in the dms that's where you'll get to know me i mean i like to work with investors who've been following me for a little while it helps because you start to already trust me because we built that connection via social media which is beautiful so drop that follow keep an eye if you want to message me i can't promise you i'll get back to you super fast 
Sam probably knows you get a lot of DMs um, and I really don't have that big of a page, but you've got to focus on the business as well, right? So if you do really want to get in touch with me and this shows that you're a keen uh, investor, is that my contact details are scattered throughout the internet. My phone numbers are on websites, my, they're on Google. If you really want to get involved, then you'll find the way to get in touch. Now, pick up the phone and ring me. People don't call anymore, do they, Sam? Like, not off the straight. And if you call me, I know that you're serious. I love it when people call me. Yeah, no, so, I'm, I'm not going to put. Look, I'm not going to put Leon's phone number in the show notes, <laughs> <laughs> but I will put. I will put your socials in there so people can go and see a little bit more of what you're all about if they haven't already. Um, and I, I genuinely would recommend it. I am in a very privileged position where, when I reach out to people that I really want to have conversations with, and I can use this this podcast as a platform, a lot of them say yes, which I, you know, means the world to me. Um, but I do it off because I do it off the back of the fact that I find these people interesting, and I think what they do is great. And Leon is no different. Um, go and follow his Instagram; it is really good. The information on there, the videos are fantastic, um, and uh, you know they'll keep you amused and entertained, and they will obviously impart a lot of knowledge onto you as well. So um, yeah, definitely go and follow Leon on, on Instagram. I'd, I'd fully recommend that and um yeah Leon thank you so much for, for spending probably a bit more time than we thought we would together um but it's been cracking and um, yeah I hope everyone's got a little bit from this at home as well my pleasure thank you so much Sam for for dealing with the technical difficulties it's been a real good episode Yep, that's it. Thank you so much for sticking around to the end of the episode, guys. If you have enjoyed this episode or any of the other Game of Loans podcast episodes, please, I would ask you a massive favour to leave a five-star review. It massively helps me grow the podcast and reach more people that will hopefully enjoy the episodes as much as you have. Thank you so much in advance for this, and I'll hopefully see you on the next episode.